Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper for another 2021-22 postgame recap. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. Uh, retweet, if you're on Twitter, retweet my tweet that I just posted about the, the link to this live so more people can see it. Remember to keep commenting on all the videos to keep that algorithm up. My latest vlog, if you didn't go check it out, go check it out. Most views we've had since before I went for my graduation when I had that video when I was concerned about the Clippers 1-4 and four start. So back in the 500 category, let's slowly build it up back to that 1,000. Do what we can. Click on the videos fast. Like them up. Comment so we can get back in favor of the algorithms and grow this party. Uh, shout out to everybody that was there in the Twitter space today. Remember, if you guys aren't on Twitter, you definitely should follow me on there. Uh, I post a lot of stuff on there. I'm on there the most out of all the social media apps. And I just gained 15 followers today just from a space. So get on that space. I can hear from you guys every Wednesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Tonight we have a perfect scenario where we talk in both Lakers and Clippers. I will say this, though, to you guys. I didn't see the first half of either game. So my analysis is going to be a little bit limited tonight. But the thing is... I watched these teams night in, night out. I saw the way the games ended, so I can tell you what I saw, and then you can add in your context if you want it. But regardless, I'd like to say that I know these teams inside out for the most part. The Clippers with a win over the Celtics. Shout out to my Minutemen, uh, my boys back at uh, in the East Coast. Uh, that's a sweep this season, uh, gentlemen. Uh, you, we always, you guys got to get your act together. We're going to talk about them in a little bit. But the Lakers also... Dropping to the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. And in a very poor fashion, when they were leading by double digits, they had a lead going into the fourth quarter. And we're going to be talking about that. But let's start with the clips. Uh, I didn't get to see the first half. I actually turned the game on mid-second quarter. So I'd say this, you know, it was basically a neck-to-neck game, a low-scoring game, which we knew we weren't going to score many points, given everybody that's out. You know, Terrence, I'm sorry, not Terrence, man. Paul George, Reggie Jackson, who are our two leading scorers, Nico Batum, Isaiah Hartenstein. You know, we're playing a guy like Xavier Moon, 11 minutes. Keon Johnson, 8 minutes of burn. So we got guys that are young guys playing. And then Brandon Boston, that's the thing that we heard today. He got checked into health and safety protocols. So that was a tough blow tonight considering that we needed some points. And we struggled to get some. But thankfully, the Celtics struggled to get some as well. No Jason Tatum, no Marcus Smart, no Dennis Schroeder, and no Ennis Cantor Freedom. So they were shorthanded. They were playing a guy, two guys that I'd never heard of before. Hauser, Sam Hauser, and Broderick Thomas is his name. Broderick Thomas. Never heard of them before. So it was definitely a weird game. The Celtics started with Jalen Brown, Romeo Langford, Peyton Pritchard, because they didn't have Marcus Smart or Dennis, 
Rob Williams and Al Horford. So they had three starters with Jalen, Time Lord, and Al Horford. And then two non-starters. For us, basically a similar thing. No Reggie, no Paul, no Nico, all typical starters. Although we haven't been able to see, because Nico and Senior, I don't think they've even played three games with one another this season. We haven't even been able to see who we're really going to start, Senior or Nico, or we're going to start both. Go big with Paul George at the two when he comes back. A lot of questions because we haven't had Nico and Senior to be able to play. But I thought that our one thing I noticed with when I turned the game on, and this was consistent in the second half, the Clippers played zone for the majority of the game. And I talked about this in Is the NBA Getting Better and Better, my best video series, even though not everything I said there was perfect and as, as perfectly as I wanted. I stated as perfectly as I wanted it to be. But go check that out if you ever get a chance. If you really want to know the differences between eras, um, I think that I brought a lot of points to attention. I do want to re, re, uh, say one thing, though, I said about listening to former players. Former players that seem like they know what they're talking about. Players that played in the 60s and 70s and have kind of seen the game grow. If they're watching the game, like a Jerry West, like a Clyde Frazier, been involved in the game, Michael Thompson's of the world, they have a more credible opinion as opposed to somebody who's not watching right now. Uh, you know, So it's all about how much they've been watching as well. But I will say this. I'd, I was saying former players, though, even if it's a former player on some BS, I still listen to that former player and respect what he's saying uh, more than a non-player if they're speaking BS, if that makes sense. Like guy on TV pushing an agenda for views. Uh, like Stephen A. Smith recently with his comments about Donovan Mitchell being the most talented player in Jazz history, you know, I remember last year when they were up two nothing? He's he's gonna be he's the best he's gonna be the best uh, he's the best player that's ever played for the Jazz. Yeah, I, whatever. But back to the game. One thing I noticed we went zone for the majority of the game. That doesn't happen much in the NBA, as I talked about. And is the NBA getting better? Uh, because yeah, it's kind of gimmicky. At the end of the day, teams in, t- in the NBA, not just today's NBA. If anything, in today's NBA, they somehow seem to struggle more with when teams go zone and again it's one because people don't flash the high post and enough and two because there's no people don't go for offensive rebounds anymore that's one of the biggest flaws of a zone if you've played and if you've ever played in a zone and defended in a zone that's one of the biggest things is as if when you're in a man-to-man it's easier to get rebounds because you turn get your body on your man and you get a body on your guy whoever you're guarding whoever's closest to you with a zone you know you're guarding a space Guys can sneak in. It's harder to get bodies on guys. So it's hard to, you know, that's another way teams used to kill zones, offensive rebounds. Nowadays, teams don't go for offensive rebounds. They prefer to get back in transition. Leads to one-and-done opportunities. And that's what was happening for the Celtics. Uh, Not tonight, though, somehow. They got 21 offensive rebounds because they got open threes all game in the zone that we were playing. But the thing about the Celtics that we've talked about, and last year they were a dime dropper team, and we talked about it briefly in one of my early videos when I first made this channel, if you go check, why the Celtics lost game one against the Heat in the bubble. They do they chuck themselves out of games. They've chucked themselves, they've chucked away their seasons. 2018. Yeah, and you know what the Celtics fans will say, or the modern Celtics fans, not the old, will say, oh, but they're open shots. You know what Jalen Brown was doing tonight? You look at his his stat line. 13 of 36 from the field. I really don't think that that's a terrible thing. Because Jalen Brown, oftentimes when Tatum plays, doesn't get to close games when he should. Jalen Brown was did not have Marcus Smart and, and Dennis Schroeder to back him up besides Jason Tatum not being there, which are the next best scorers, I think, creators on this team, maybe with the exception of Horford, who got a ton of open looks tonight and just could not get it to go. 0 of 7 from 3. Jalen Brown shot 13 threes and he made one of them. In the fourth quarter, he started getting to the rim more 
and he still shot a lot of threes, though. But when he was getting to the rim, he was scoring. He was getting and ones. He was putting a lot more pressure on our defense because our zone, we had some really good rotations, good communication. We were doing a good job in our zone and give credit to Ty Lue and the staff for that idea. But the Celtics just, they should have made more shots, point blank, no excuses as NBA players. But they have a, they have a, consistent problem where they just are not that great of a shooting team from three. They have not been for years. I don't care if their percentage is uh, was decent one year or whatnot. If you get, show me. The Rockets and the Warriors in recent memory, and even the Houston Rockets chucked themselves out of the 2018 game, uh, playoffs uh, in that Western Conference Finals with the 27 threes in a row. The Warriors are an exception. You look at the Bucks. You look at the Lakers in 2020, the Toronto Raptors. They did not fall too in love with the three. They had Kawhi in the mid-range, Giannis attacking the rim, LeBron and AD assaulting the rim. That's not what the Celtics, they get open looks. They generated open looks all these years. Tonight's no, no different. They actually generated some great looks. They settled too much. Four of 42 from three. We're, shoot, we're 11 of 28. We're a better shooting team than the Celtics from three. And we shot better shots. We also didn't, they weren't playing zone. So we didn't get as many open shots. But sometimes you got to pass up that shot for a floater, for a mid-range. When you have that kind of personnel. I don't blame Jalen Brown for shooting 36 shots. You know, Peyton Pritchard went two of 10, 0 of 5 from three. I love Peyton Pritchard. You know, Will came and talked about how great Peyton is. And he's an NBA player. There's no doubt about that. But... You know, he sometimes falls too in love with the three himself because he can shoot it. And the Celtics, they just did themselves no favors. I want to give a shout-out to Eric Bledsoe tonight. Uh, he could, Two of these last three games, with no Reggie Jackson, he's held it down at point guard. He's had the mistakes to somewhat of a minimum. Only two turnovers tonight. He was plus 24, the highest of anybody that touched the court tonight on any team. And on any team in this game, of course. And he actually hit some jumpers. He was two of three from three, including a really big three late. So shout out to Eric Bledsoe. He was also really good in that zone and got two steals, one of which was a great interception in the corner on a pass. Luke Kennard stayed aggressive, got into the mid-range, you know, worked quickly off the catch, knocked down his open threes. And see, he's the type of guy that can be shooting 10 threes a game. Not saying Jalen Brown ha doesn't have the right to shoot 10 threes. But when he's missing and he's so athletic, see, that's the thing about Luke Kennard. He doesn't have the ability to rise up and is 6'7 with long arms, dunking on people like Jalen Brown. He doesn't have that luxury. So he can't. He needs to be like that. He's a jump shooter. He's a shooter. Jalen Brown is both. He's a star. He can get do both. He sh that's the thing about both him and Tatum. And I think that may be a big reason why they struggle as well. Fall too in love with that jumper. And I got to watch more Celtics games. I'm not going to sound like I know everything that's going on with the Seas this season. But I saw them last season. They didn't make too much roster switch. They're a deeper team. They haven't been healthy. They've been ravaged by COVID as well as most, most, more than most teams with, throughout the course of these last two seasons. Still no excuse. There is something that has to be said about either Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum not being able to stay on the court together enough. Maybe Marcus Smart needs to go. But those three, because you changed the coach. People still think, can argue all day whether Brad Stevens or Ime Udoka was better. The fact of the matter is we've heard the same things from Celtics fans throughout the last couple of years. Lack of ability to close, blowing games, making fake comebacks. These aren't good characteristics. And, you know, my generation, you know, I'm speaking to my boys here. My generation gets mad at me when I criticize the Celtics, say I'm hating. I got a lot of love for the Celtics. You guys follow me on Twitter and all that. You know how much I rave about the Celtics historically. But you got to remember, when you go to TD Garden, that 
The first thing, let me tell you this uh, for every fan listening to this video. If you, when you walk into TD Garden, one thing that strikes you when you walk into that stadium is all the banners in front of your face that the Celtics have displayed there right in view. It's eye-opening to me. And you got to start treating that franchise like the Laker fans treat their franchise. Do I think it's right that the Laker fans go overboard and bully Danny Green to the point where he's like getting death threats? Absolutely not. Laker fans take it too far. But one thing about Laker fans is they hold their players accountable for the most part. They're very, very harsh on their players. They have an expectation that they always have to be contending for chips. Celtics fans, because they've only had one chip since Bird, their standards have now lowered in many ways. It's sad to see it. It's sad to see it. They sound like Clipper fans sometimes to me, making excuses. You got to look at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and think. I'm not saying trade him. I'm not saying trade him. But what's the problem here? There's something with those two together. Whether they're too similar with each other, whether they don't move without the ball, whether they don't make other guys better, I do not know. I do not know. Because I did watch them last season. There was a lot of injuries and all that stuff. I made some, I mean, you know. But we'll see. There's a long season ahead. The Celtics can still get right. They just got to get their team together. They got to get Jalen Tatum, Jalen Tatum, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to play with one another. These two are too young to be missing this many games. COVID is COVID. But other than that, man, they need to stay healthy. They're young. I know Jalen, does he have knee arthritis still? Like what's going on with that? Is that something that never goes away? Anyways. Huge win for the Clippers. Marcus Morris Sr. By the way, I, I hope I mentioned Luke Kennard. 5 of 10 from 3. Efficient. Marcus Morris Sr. We're going to win the post. I just like the way we're moving the ball. Attacking. Not just settling for threes like the Celtics. Sr. did an amazing job against his former team. He was aggressive. He was 5 of 6 from the foul line. 9 of 21 from the field. But he was 0 of 5 from 3. And let me tell you this, Celtics fans. Y'all know this. Marcus Morris Sr. is a gunner. He likes to shoot. And he can sure as hell has games where he's efficient enough to shoot 10 threes. But he shot five threes. And in the second half, when I watched the game, he was going to the mid-range. He was trying to attack the basket. Case case closed. And you know another guy who attacks the basket? Terrence freaking man. The kid from Lowell. What a game he had tonight in his homecoming. 17 points. 7 of 11 from the field. 2 of 4 from 3. Him and Eric Bledsoe, when their jump shots are going, everything changes for us. Guys close out harder, and when guys close out on Terrence, he gets right to the rim. And he moves without the ball. He's getting offensive rebounds. He's got two of them tonight. He's just that dude. He just The one thing I love about Terrence, he's the one guy on our team you can always rely on amazing effort. Always. And that's why. And he's, he's the man for the big occasion. Game 6. History. So, huge game for T tonight. 91-82, a huge win for the Clips. This is a huge East Coast road trip and a crucial part of the season. And the Lakers, as we segue to them, losing helps us as well. The Clippers stay above 500, or go back above 500, I should say. 18-17. and 17. I mentioned in the vlogs how many more home games we've had than road. It's unbelievable looking at it right now. We've only had 13 home games. We're 6-7 and seven on the road, though. So that's very respectable considering, you know, the lack of, of health and everything with our team and how poorly we've been at home against certain teams and vlogs that you guys have seen. Remember, there's a playlist on my channel with all of them. You can check them out yourself. But Clippers with four guys scoring 17 or more was just fantastic. You look at the Celtics, Jalen Brown and Robert Williams were like the only two players that shot. Well, Jalen Brown didn't even shoot necessarily well. He shot 13 of 36. One of 13 from three, though, was the real killer. And then three of five from the foul line. I mean, 
Ugh. It looked like he played really well because I only watched the second half. But he definitely settled a bit too much. But Jalen Brown shooting open threes, like he makes those. You know, he just wasn't hidden tonight. But I feel like we've just said this so many times with the Celtics over the years. They just weren't hitting tonight. No. Anyways. Time Lord, 16 points, 14 rebounds, 8 of 10 from the field, but he didn't shoot one free throw. Neither did Peyton Pritchard. So, and, and neither did Romeo Langford. So three of your starters are not even getting to the line. And I just don't think that's good. Every single starter except for Luke Kennard, as I said for obvious reasons, got to the line for the Clippers. Amir Coffey also had a decent game off the bench as well. But Al Horford, 3 of 14 from the field and 0 of 7 from 3. 9 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. Peyton Pritchard, as I said, 2 of 10. So it was just a terrible shooting night for Boston. Clippers win it. Let's go to the Lakers, though, now against the Memphis Grizzlies. So in this game, I only watched like the late third quarter and the fourth quarter. So I missed a lot of LeBron dominating in the beginning of the game. The Lakers were winning. I don't necessarily know how they had that lead. I think they played good defense. I heard that they were playing good defense in the first couple quarters, better than they've played. LeBron was playing great. But I saw a lot of bad things in the fourth from everyone. In the first two minutes of the quarter, LeBron had a couple of high pick-and-pop situations or you know, just high-screen situations, ball screen with Malik Monk. The Grizzlies navigated it well. Hard hedge, quick recover because, you know, when it's that high and, you know, high above the three-point line and it's Malik Monk, they're not trapping LeBron. You know, they're just, they're able to rotate and, and they have they had length. You know, I think it was Desmond Bain and Kyle Anderson, uh, the two guys being involved in that pick and roll. So they had good length to prevent that. And it was basically just LeBron just getting another screen again and just holding on to the ball for a little bit. Two turnovers. I think one from Stanley Johnson, one from him in the first two minutes, the first two possessions. And I'm pretty sure the Grizzlies scored off of those. And more turnovers kept coming. And I don't think that because those turnovers led to the Lakers not playing good defense at the other end. They were getting beaten off the dribble. Again, same thing. Russell Westbrook, Malik Monk, THT, everybody dying on screens. Uh, No help defense from LeBron in the fourth quarter. I don't know if he was playing better defense in the first three quarters. But in the fourth quarter, I saw no help defense, no hard rotations. I think one charge taken maybe and one good defensive possession on jaw later. But other than that, he was like basically non-existent on defense. And remember, he's anchoring this team right now. Fizdo made the decision to not play Dwight, right? He didn't play at all. So, Oh, no, he did play 16 minutes. But he didn't play much in the second half, correct? I didn't see him play much. He was plus 17, the highest of any Laker. But what I noticed is the Grizzlies got back in the game. They were getting to their floaters. Credit to them. Desmond Bain hitting threes. And he, he didn't shoot very well, but he had a big three. He had 20 points. Tyus Jones, you know, he was 2 of 6, but he got hit a big floater and was plus 20. You know, I'm not saying that he played great just because of that plus minus, but he, when I watched the game, he was very impactful in that run. He did a solid job pushing pace and getting to this floater. And John Morant, when he came back in, was just doing his thing, hitting threes. He had, one, like, very similar similarly to the games he's had against the Clippers this season. He was hitting his threes. And when Josh hitting his threes, he's just unstoppable in that pick and roll. 13 of 27 from the field, 6 of 7 from 3, 41 points, 10 rebounds. What a night for Jaw. Two steals, two blocks, and the momentum started to change. And here's the thing with the Lakers. They scored 16 points in the fourth quarter. LeBron James was having a great night. He had a historically good night for himself shooting from deep, right? 8 of 14 from 3. 13 of 25 from the field. 
and the game's getting close and it's winding down and he looked tired, man. He still wants those screens. He wants he's not trying to get to the rim. Okay, he got to the rim one time and passed to a cutting Westbrook. I thought the Lakers going to win the game there. When Westbrook cut to the rim, LeBron hit him with a layup. You know, and I'm, and look, THT was poor again tonight. He came off the bench. He was all right. Four points, five rebounds, two of seven. He's just very lost right now. He's struggling to fit in with this squad, and that's because of Westbrook and LeBron. Uh, it's not fully his fault. I mean, yes, he can be kind of one-dimensional. He needs the ball. You can say that too. It's just a mix of all three of them. But he's not being able to develop normally with this with this team. And that sucks because his confidence is waning by the second and everyone thinks he's bad, which he really isn't. He could go to another team that's not very good and do his thing. A person that I also don't think was good enough as well is Melo. Was Melo tonight. I think he's obviously, as we know, has been, has been a lot better at Staples Center. But he was not hitting, and when Melo's not hitting, we've talked about it many times, and this is the thing with him, he's not going to be a huge presence on defense at all. He was getting attacked on a lot of those pick-and-rolls by the Grizz. Uh, he was 2-11, 1 of 8 from 3, 5 points, minus 15. He didn't play defense. Uh, he was one of those guys getting blown by. Weak rotations, just nothing in the fourth quarter. And, you know, I'm not saying the Grizzlies were, Lakers' defense was terrible in the fourth, but they were. it was 16-26. to 26. They lost the fourth, and they were up by 5 going into the fourth. So that's ridiculous. You have the two stars. You know, the Lakers had 18 turnovers, five of them from LeBron, five of them from Westbrook. Not a, That's not how you win basketball games. And also, in the last couple of minutes, as I said, why isn't LeBron being that aggressive shooting the ball? If you're tired, okay, shoot threes. He made one to make it 97-100, and they only shot one other three after that. Dude, if any night is the night you should chuck, it's tonight. Who cares that he shot 52%? He shot 25 times. Jalen Brown shot 36 times. And you can say, oh, well, that's why they probably lost because he shot 36 times. No, no, no. This is LeBron James. He's having a good shooting night. He needs to shoot 30 shots. And I'm only saying he needs to shoot 30 shots because in the fourth quarter, he in late, he okay, he's gassed. So then you're going to say, okay, he's gassed. Why? Because he's 36 and they're on a back-to-back. But then when he does so well, he's 36. And it's so incredible what he's doing. I just hate the flip-flopping, man. Because here's the thing. People, like, the, I'm just holding it to the standard. GOAT. You, this is the conversation we're putting bro in. And here's my thing. He's incredible. Best 37-year-old. Happy, happy early birthday, LeBron. Best 37-year-old ever in my eyes. Nobody has ever been this good at this age. But he has conserved on the defensive end to carry certain offensive loads and to prolong his career in these last couple of six, seven years. You know what I'm saying? Playoff Braun. In Cleveland, the first seven years in Miami, playoff Braun was no was not that much crazier than regular season Braun because he used to go hard in the regular season. That term got created and more popularized after Cleveland, after he started taking regular seasons early, not worrying about seeding, and then going off in the playoffs. And a lot of that was because he played in a weak East. That's why his effort level in 2020 was different, and so was Anthony Davis's that led them to getting that number one seed. But maybe, just maybe, and someone suggested this to me, and maybe it'll work. I don't know. Maybe the Lakers don't have enough offense without AD to make this happen. But maybe if LeBron conserved more of his energy for defense and maybe guarded some better players sometimes, not saying the best player, but some guys that are good on the ball, because his size is effective getting over screens, more so than these guards, even if he's guarding a guard, just for stretches. You know, and his rotation sometimes can be... Like tonight, I didn't see anything in that fourth quarter. Maybe he was better earlier in the game. He had two blocks and two steals, so maybe he was better earlier in the game. But I'm not seeing enough there. I'm not seeing enough uh, all really all season, but again, I'm making it that, okay, he's 36. He has to carry 37. He's got to carry this load on offense. But the stats, like, guys, Laker fans, tell me if you agree. Who cares? 
Who cares if he scores 30-plus and you're losing every game? There's got to be another way. There's got to be another way. This LeBron, I don't believe that it's this can be this bad. I'm not saying it's all LeBron's fault. He's the least to blame. Don't get it twisted. He's the least to blame. But I'm just saying, let's not make this a he's not getting help. Westbrook's missing layups. He needs to do better. He cannot be missing layups late in the game like he did tonight. That was terrible. You know what I'm saying? He's out of control. But, you know, the way this team is, guys like THT are just getting really pushed aside now. You know, the coaching staff is not making this easier. It's just... And no, no, and here's another thing, man. I'm only being harsh on of on Braun because I feel like no one's being harsh on him. My whole timeline on Twitter is filled with everybody talking about his stats. It's like, guys, what we I literally tell you about this. Like, I literally talk to you about this for now. It's been a year about what this what happens with this guy. And I was a LeBron fan, guys. This is coming from the honest truth. I'm trying to tell you guys the truth, man. I'm not trying to push anything. I'm not saying that you you need to think that Kobe's better. All this nonsense. I'm not saying all that. I'm just saying. That this is what what's really happening is they twist it, man. Like to me, the stats are not that. This is the Will Chamberlain thing. Well, same thing with Will Chamberlain. Stats are cool. Like if you need to do a little less offensively to do a little bit more on defense, because here's the thing: if the Lakers get more stops, that's gonna lead to more fast break opportunities for them. Less half court bullshit with Russ and Tht and LeBron. Like it, it changes everything to me. And I feel like the Lakers' best stretches of all season is when LeBron locks in on D. That's why you'll go back to my go back to the lives and look at the games the Lakers have won when I say LeBron has taken over. The only problem is, guys, a lot of these are against terrible teams. So I really just don't know. Lakers may need to make some moves. Uh, it's bad, guys. It's bad. Don't let the stats fool you. Everybody should be held accountable with this Laker ball club. Coaching staff to the players. No one's doing enough in my eyes. Yeah, LeBron is doing well enough for a 37-year-old. We're not talking about that. We're talking about LeBron James who you people think is top two all-time without a question and a shadow of a doubt. Not a lot of my subscribers are into that. Top two without a shadow of a doubt. We like to be more open-minded here on Dime Dropper and listen to everybody's opinion in every era that actually does their research. Not little bots that listen to the media and just buy into the stuff hook, line, and sinker. Uh, but that's my uh, spiel on that. So, yeah, get some buckets. Anyways, later. Guy, I'm sorry, not get some buckets, get some wins consistently. That's when it's really going to change. But, hey, I appreciate everybody for showing up to the live. A little bit higher attendance tonight, me going uh, live a little earlier. I was very critical on tonight's live of the Celtics and the Lakers. But, hey, guess what? You got 34 reasons to not give a shit about these lives, okay? Just go watch some old DVDs, sonnies. Good night, boys. Go Now to the live subscribers waiting so patiently in the chat. Super chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dimey dime.